You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone, to episode 49 of the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I do have the four horsemen. I guess you add me in the mix, that creates four. But I do have David Howman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Halling as well, who you could follow all of us. I can go through the Twitter handles as fast as possible because there is four of us, so it does take a little bit of time. But it is at Brandon is right. That is W-R-I-T-E at underscore D-H-4-4 underscore for Howman at Icebreaker21 for Brandon Clements, and then at Chris Halling underscore for Chris. So it's crazy. You get back from a long weekend like I did. Uh, I was down in Maryland hanging out with the in-laws, relaxing, eating crabs, you know, having a great old time. And then you get home, and at around 440 Eastern, we had to scrap the entire idea of what we were planning last week. We mentioned maybe the 53-man roster projection after the Cowboys preseason game against the Jaguars. And then the news comes down about Zach and Zeke, where Zach Martin gets a restructured deal with the Cowboys. Zeke, of course, signs a one-year deal with the Patriots. And then we have to talk about that instead. And even, too, it was crazy around the NFL in general where Michael Orr, the story comes out to be a complete fabrication, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is supposedly wearing number 50 uh, as a quarterback. Until I see it, I won't believe it. It's like Santa Claus a little bit. Um, And then also you have Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets. So there's a lot to unpack with regards to the Cowboys, but just in general, Howman, your initial reaction, not so much in the entire NFL news today, but specifically with Zach and Zeke doing their respective deals, going, staying with the Cowboys, and then going, of course, to the Patriots. Well, first things first, I really want to see that number 50 on Teddy Bridgewater. I I am going to make that the background on my phone. Um, Really looking forward to that. But you know, it, it's exciting news with with Zach Martin. It's it's just such a like a feeling of relief that they got it taken care of, and it, it was it was honestly like one of those things that I almost forgot that that was a situation going on, just because you know it, it's Zach Martin. You're not really worried about him not being at practice because you know he's going to be ready. And there was always this sense of like it's going to get done. We just don't know when it's going to get done. And then every now and then you'd see those tweets about like, oh, now Zach has hit, you know, this many dollars in fines. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's he's still not there. Like, they need to take care of that. So getting the news was um, really just a feeling of relief. And then, you know, a little bit later being able to officially put to bed the story about, oh, Zeke might come back. Ezekiel Elliott is still out there. And, you know, Jerry Jones probably really wanted to bring him back. And it doesn't sound like anybody else really wanted that but now that door is officially closed unless he doesn't make the roster in new england but you know who knows we'll see that's that's tomorrow's problem not today's but um just just an interesting way to 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 kind of tie those things together all of it coming all at once and very big day of news yeah i I gotta tell you it was cool seeing uh i saw the god 70 on twitter aka zach martin's to uh x handle there we go x handle and it says back to work so that was i was like great 
it's now it's done. And like I, you see the reports, but then you see it, you know, on his on his uh, his social media account. You're like, all right, back to business. And and actually, I mean, he he was actually very he was he was pretty underpaid for the the top guard in the league. Uh, you know, before the contract was done, the the read the redone part of the contract, he was the tenth highest paid offensive guard in the league, which. Which I mean, that's a great deal for for uh, you know Jerry Jones and company. But Zach knew his worth. I mean, obviously with the Lindstrom deal and then other deals that have come through, you know, it, it was he was due for a, for a raise, and he essentially gets eight and a half million in, in new money over the next two years, which is that's a good chunk of change. He gets a fully guaranteed it's fully guaranteed, which is another big thing. And the best part is he gets it. He's he's literally only going to be the fourth highest paid. So he went from 10 to four. So it was kind of like almost meeting the middle of the ground. So that was a, that was a good development. It was something I was really excited for when it came through that, you know, now that deal's done, that's one hurdle. We, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, and for me personally, I know we, you know, I've mentioned it every week since we had the show, you know, it's, you know, Josh Ball's not going to start at right guard. So that's, you know, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. No offense, Josh, but uh, that's just, that's just the, the fact of life that he is the, he's the, the number one guard in football is back and he is, he's ready to go. He's already been working out. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and, and to David's point, I, I got to say, Teddy Bridgewater wearing 50. I mean, that, I want to see it. I hope it happens. So, well, um, I mean, like you said, Lori, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a Santa Claus analogy. So I have to wait and see if it actually happens, but just, just the thought of that is pretty exciting. And, and then obviously the dominoes with, with Zeke and, and Dalvin cook, you know, all, all that stuff going on. It's, it's, a, it's been a busy day in the NFL and, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's sad to see Zeke uh, now officially with another team. You're going to see him wearing probably the number 15 in new England. So that kind of, you know, that, it's kind of bittersweet because I wanted to see him wear, obviously, you know, the 15 in Dallas, but you know, obviously, 21 was that number for all these years. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how he does. And you know, as somebody who you know fo- does follow, you know, the, the AFC East as well, because I live in and I live in upstate New York, and the Buffalo Bills are you know are you know are one of the teams up here. It's gonna be cool to see Ezekiel Elliott just smash the Bills twice a year. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to see um, Zach Martin come to his uh, rework contract for many reasons. A, I mean, if you watched that preseason game, it wasn't the best showing from the interior offensive lineman. And yes, no one was really starting. However, if Zach Martin were to hold out, then you would assume that one of those guys would be inserted in, into that starting offensive line. So it's great to um, have him back. And also, you know, just um, a piggybacking off of uh, B1's point, you know, they were able to rework the contract without making him the highest paid guard in the NFL. They still, in my opinion, are, are, are um, uh, um, right now, they still currently have him at a discount, which I think is great for the Cowboys. It's great for him because he does get that raise as well. And, you know, it's just awesome to see him back on the field. You know, it, it, you know, it, it's felt like such a quiet offseason for the Cowboys, um, you know, like um, leading up to this point and to see him finally get this resolved. I mean, I honestly believe that us Cowboys fans believe that it was all going to get worked out eventually anyway, and we weren't really that stressed about it, but it is nice to finally nip it in the bud. It's definitely <laughs> awesome uh, for Zach Martin, of course, to be back in the building. We'll see uh, when he actually arrives in Oxnard. I know the Cowboys are there for another week before they come home. Um, I doubt he'll be playing in the preseason, if at all. Maybe the third game, maybe just to get a few more reps with the guys, and then if they want to see maybe some potential starters on the offensive side, maybe they do it in the third game uh, when they're back at home or, or wherever they uh, play uh, Las Vegas. So 
Um, just to talk about the the contract details themselves, per Adam Schefter, Zach Martin's new deal will pay him north about $18 million each of the next two years. That will be an additional $8.5 million around there, a little bit more, uh, compared to the $13.5 and $14 million he was going to be making. Uh, we brought it up already. Both years are already they're guaranteed, so that's awesome for Zach. He gets his money, and they don't have to you know do anything with that. And then also, uh, per Ian Rappaport, Ezekiel Elliott signs a one-year deal. This was the interesting one where you look at the the number for Elliott, where we thought that this entire time he was holding out for a big, large contract. Um, and maybe that was the case. Maybe he realized that the market might not have been as great and he was getting his opportunity while he could. It's a deal up to $6 million. That's been the popular word this offseason, up to for all these contracts. But it is a $1 million signing bonus. Uh, and this is per ESPN's uh, Patriots recorder. Uh, reporter Mike Reese, um, $1 million in signing bonus, $3 million base salary, and $2 million in incentive. So clearly for Elliott, it's a contract that's around $3 million. You know, you get the, the extra as a signing bonus, and then if he hits certain incentives, and I'm sure those details will come out eventually, um, he'll get the extra too. So that was the most surprising. And not only that, but the Cowboys are going to be playing the Patriots this year. They host them at home uh, on October 1st. So for all the Cowboys fans out there, it'll be certainly an emotional day to see Elliott come back. But the one question I had about Elliott before we transition into the to the Martin contract of it all, um, does anybody feel like jaded by Elliott that he figured that, you know, oh, he gets to play the Cowboys this year. He could have gone to maybe like the Denver Broncos, the Bengals, teams that the Cowboys aren't going to be playing this year. Does anybody feel a little jaded about it or it doesn't really matter? He found his home and we wish him the best. Yeah, I'm I'm like that. I for his, for what Zeke did for this for this franchise since coming into the league in 2016, I wish him I wish him well. And like I said a moment ago, I hope he I hope he smashes the Buffalo Bills twice a year because I just want to see the Buffalo Bills fans be insufferable because of all the Zeke trash that they've given me over the years and especially the last couple years. So I, I'm really I'm excited for him because he gets to he gets to be coached by the greatest coach or arguably the greatest coach of all time, which is Bill Belichick. And in, in the last time I checked, I don't think they have that great of a receiving core. So I think him and Ramondre Stevenson are going to be running the ball uh, quite often. So I, I do, I don't think he's going to be the number one back. I mean, I, I definitely Mondre is going to, it's Mondre season once again. So he's, he's going to be the, the lead back, but Zeke, I think, I think Zeke Elliott's going to be a nice, a nice one uh, B or maybe just a number two where he just spells He's going to spell uh, Mondre, and, and it's going to keep his workload at a decent amount because you know he's got a lot of tread on the tire, you know, a lot of tread that's uh, been worn off the tire. So he's, you know, he, you know, he's he's not a guy at this stage of his career that he should be carrying the ball 300 times a year. You know, he if he can, you know, if he can carry the ball, I don't know, just uh, you know, maybe you know, seven to ten times a game just to give you know Mondre Stevenson a little bit of a break. I think that works. You know, like I always said during the offseason. Use him as a short yardage back, and I think Belichick is one of those guys. And Bill O'Brien's going to be there as well. I know Bill O'Brien maybe not be known is not known as uh, you know the, he likes to pass the ball a lot, but I think when you have a Ramondre Stevenson and you have a Zeke Elliott, I think he's, they're going to get the most out of Zeke. And, and you know I wouldn't be surprised when the details come out of that contract where he might get close to that $6 million because he may just have a really, a really solid season. So I, I wish him the best. It's going to be cool to see him potentially wearing the number 15. I know it's been, it's kind of rumored that it's going to happen. So it's not official at this point yet, but it'll be cool to see him if it does happen wearing the number 15 for the Patriots. It kind of makes me think of his, his old uh, OSU days. So I'm happy for him. I wish him the best. And he, you know, he, that loss is going to be coming in October. So no matter what he's, it's going to be a whole, Cowboys Patriots situation. We wish Zeke the best, but when it comes time when they play, sorry Zeke, your team's taking the L. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I agree with you, Brandon, as far as not being jaded. Um, you are jaded against Buffalo Bills fans, and I really think the real reason is you're just upset that they took Doug Marone out of Syracuse back in the day. Um, <laughs> That's a bad but, point. <laughs> Sore subject, but we'll move on. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not jaded with, uh, with Zeke at all, especially wanting to go to a team that's going to be playing the Cowboys. Um, you know, I get that he's a competitor. Most of these guys are competitors and they want the opportunity to go back and be able to play the team that just let him go. And in the case of Zeke with the Cowboys, they literally cut him. Like they, they said, you know, we have you under contract and we, we don't want you anymore. Different from just, you know, letting the contract expire. So it's, it's, you know, Kind of not necessarily. I don't know if there's hard feelings there, but he definitely wants to have a chance to play the team and have a good game and, and prove them wrong. And for the Cowboys, it's kind of the flip situation because they're now going to get to say, "Well, hey, Micah Parsons is coming after you off the edge, and if you try to cut inside, guess what? Mozzie Smith is there. Jonathan Hankins is there. So it's going to be kind of a similar situation where the Cowboys will get to show, "Hey, here's why we cut him because you know we're good enough to stop him." And and you know, so it's it's just. That's the competitive nature, so I don't have any hard feelings there. Um, you know, I, I wish him the best, but, uh, you know, he, he was – this is a different stage of his career, and it's just, you know, best for both parties to move on at this point. I agree. I think it's best for both. I think it's best for both parties to move on, especially after seeing what Deuce Vaughn can bring to the table in that preseason game. He was looking electric and explosive. I don't think any Cowboys fan should have any ill will towards Zeke. I mean, if he had signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe we'd be singing a different tune to that. But he didn't. He signed with the New England Patriots, and I think it's great for him because if anyone's going to bring out the best in a player, it's going to be Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach of all time, and I think it's a great situation for Zeke to have a solid impact as that running back two behind Stevenson and I really think that he could um, have a season where he puts up about seven to eight hundred rushing yards and and uh, maybe gets over five to six touchdowns so I think that that would be good for his market heading forward and and um, even if it's just for one year I think he'll have a, a a really big impact with the New England Patriots so 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 like really no Cowboys fan should have any ill will towards Ezekiel Elliott signing with the Patriots I think we should all just wish him the best and also you know while also being excited for the youth that we have at that running back position and seeing Tony Pollard get the maximum carries that he can and really show out his potential on this uh, contract season yeah well, for well reason, yeah if, if he had gone to Philly or if he had gone to Washington or, or the Giants completely different story absolutely <laughs> DeMarco Murray yeah uh, it would have it would have been it would have been, you know, that that wound would be fresh all over again. We'd have to go out and buy a number 15 jersey just to burn it, that kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know what, you guys said it all perfect. I think that, like you mentioned, Chris, no Cowboys fan should have any ill will towards Elliott. Unfortunately, you're only given the so many opportunities in the league to continue your career. It just so happens that the Cowboys are playing the Patriots this year. That That's all. It's, it's a business at the end of the day. If it's a great situation for Elliott and his family – all the best for him. And it, it's interesting because I think his skill set will play well for New England at the end of the year. You know, when it gets to cold weather and they need a hard nosed running back to kind of push, uh, you know, the pile a lot more, especially around the goal line. I think that that fits Elliott uh, perfectly. And especially, too, we mentioned his pass blocking being one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. And I think when we look at the Cowboys side of this with Zeke being gone, how many you mentioned we can kind of finally put this the storyline to rest where 
Tony Pollard is the unquestioned number one guy in Dallas. I think it would have been an awkward situation if he came back, especially with everything that Mike McCarthy has been talking about with Tony Pollard this offseason. I just think it was the best for both sides. And now you look at the running back position where I think if the backups didn't perform well throughout the entirety of training camp in the offseason and there were some concerns, maybe somebody got injured. I think that's why Jeff Howe of The Athletic reported a few weeks ago the Cowboys were still still interested. I think if the situation presented itself and it worked out for the Cowboys where they needed Elliott back because of the young guys not really stepping up, I think he would have been back, no doubt. But I do think that it was sort of they want to see what the young guys have. Mike McCarthy has talked about. He's excited about Rico Dowdle, Deuce Vaughn, Malik Davis, all these guys. Um, And I do think that, you know, this puts a little bit more pressure now on Ronald Jones being the veteran guy on the team. We'll see if he's healthy enough to play this weekend. But I think that this puts a bigger circle around his name because if the Cowboys want a little more veteran leadership, he certainly fits that mold now that's in the building and somebody who's more familiar with the team rather than Ezekiel Elliott. I do think the one concern, of course, will always be the DeMarcus Ware uh, case study where he left the Cowboys and went on to have a really good career with Denver, won a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that that's the case. Denver, of course, signed Ware to a little bit more of a longer-term deal. Elliott's, of course, with a one-year deal right now for not a lot of money. So if he has success in New England, I think it'll be just you know really great for, for both sides. Everybody will be happy. But if he has success against the Cowboys – that's where I could see maybe somebody being a little upset, um, you know, in the front office or uh, for the Cowboys in general. But does anybody feel like that this puts a little bit more pressure on the running backs or is it sort of just the same as it was? And if the Cowboys need a little bit more depth, there's plenty of guys out there, as we saw Dalvin Cook just signed today, too. Yeah, I, I think it honestly, I think it puts a, pr- a lot of pressure on this running back group. And it, obviously, Tony Pollard, because he's going to be the lead dog. And and actually, if you look at the the, the, the salary, he's tied for sixth in the in the league for uh, average salary because of the franchise tag. And the guy he's tied with had almost 1,700 rushing yards last year named Josh Jacobs. So yeah. uh, when you're when you're sitting there next to Josh Jacobs, who was a, he was a workhorse for the Vegas Raiders last year, you know, I, I, you know, it's it puts a little bit of pressure on. But at the same time, you know, as as Chris said, you know, Deuce looked electric. He looked he he looks like he's going to be. Uh, there's going to be a lot of juice from Deuce, so it's going to be a lot of fun this this year. I, honestly, I could see him being the number two running back. I know that might be crazy at this point, but I I, I like it because. He he gives Tony Pollard's electric in his one his own way, but Deuce is so unique. He's electric in his own you know his own right. And and watching the broadcast this past weekend for the preseason game, you know the second and third level defenders they can't see him when he's at the line of scrimmage because he's so tiny. He just comes out of the hole and it's like he like jukes like six you know six feet to the left and he's like making a move to get like a handful of yards. Like Deuce is going to be a lot of fun this year. And I I do have to backpedal a little bit on uh, what I said last week about Rico Dottle uh, minus the minus the fumble uh, that he had uh, near the goal line there on a great run, by the way, um, that he, he outplayed Malik Davis, who was my, he was one of my guys. And, you know, obviously we still got two preseason games left, but if, you know, if I have to put somebody, you know, you know, moving up the ladder a little bit, Rico Dowdle is definitely on there. Hunter Lepke looked pretty good in limited action. So I'm not too concerned. It's going to be a different look for the running backs this year, but I do, I'm excited. It's, it's young, but there's a lot of talent. And I think I think there's going to be some interesting battles coming forward for the next two uh, two preseason games because there's only so many roster spots and and a lot of those guys, including Ronald Jones, they're going to have something to say here in the next two games. So it's it's going to be highly contested. I think Pollard and Vaughn are obviously locks, but it's going to be interesting to see how they fill the, the potential of uh, four running backs on the roster this year. 
I honestly feel as though uh, Pollard was facing pressure regardless of this whole Zeke situation, especially being on that contract year. And he's going to have to show how valuable he is. I think it's key, too, that he shows how valuable he is um, th- um, throughout the receiving um, play as well. I know that he already kind of has shown that throughout his uh, career so far, but I feel like running backs are going to get paid based off their receiving ability nowadays with the whole way the market's, you know, crashing for them. And they're all going through their struggles. Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and even Saquon held out for only 900,000 more. So, you know, it's, you know, that whole thing puts, puts the running back position um, in pressure regardless. And um, I have to agree with you. I think that, when you look at this running back depth in general, I think that the Cowboys are going to be okay without Zeke. I really think that um, Jones can really fill in that role as being the veteran guy who kind of comes in and does some pass protection and um, has a, a, a red zone ability and uh, comes in and uh, scores that touchdown in the goal line situation. Really the only running back who didn't impress me in that preseason game was Malik Davis. He had four carries for three yards. He's going to have to do better than that if he wants to make the final roster. But um, overall, I really liked what I saw from Dowdle outside of the fumble. But, you know, that's, you know, like that's what preseason's for. That's where you get those uh, hiccups out of the way. So I think that Pollard was facing some pressure regardless, but I don't think it should necessarily change much heading forward. I'm kind of glad that uh, this whole Zeke thing is in the rear view now so that we can fully focus on Pollard as a running back one and not, you know, feel some kind of concern of, you know, not seeing his full potential. I I mean, this year it's going to be fully, you know, it's going to be fully on him to show that he can carry this team and those, oh, he wouldn't survive as a three down back narratives won't be alive anymore. You know, we'll see it. And I'm sure that he'll prove those doubters wrong. So. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this takes a lot of pressure off of these running backs, if anything, just because now they don't have that thought in the back of their head of, oh, like, wait, if we mess up, you know, they, they can always bring Zeke back and, and they're, they're keeping the door open for him. So hopefully this is, that's the case where they kind of just feel free to, you know, move forward and just do their thing. And a couple of them did it in that game. I mean, can we just take a moment, like Deuce Vaughn? I mean, how fun was that when he's just juking guys left and right? And it's funny that both Brandon and Chris at various points described him as electric because I was thinking the same thing when I was watching him. All that was going through my mind was the Taylor Swift song, Electric Touch. And I was just playing it on repeat. So I'm watching this guy just go absolutely nuts and how much of a fan of him I am. And I'm thinking of that line in the song where it says, this could either break my heart or bring it back to life. I'm like, he's either going to just absolutely kill it and make me so incredibly happy for him. Or it's, you know, maybe it won't work out and, and that'll be just absolutely horrible after getting our hopes up with how great he was in that preseason game, how good he's looked in camp. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be the, the RB2. He may not necessarily have locked it down just yet, but you can see he's got the juice. He's got the electricity. Like, it's he's, he's just doing everything that you hoped that he would do and more. Um, you know, Rico Dowdle was doing pretty good. That fumble, I think, probably hurt him a little bit just because there's been so much emphasis on ball security. But uh, up till then, he was he was doing really good. He had a lot of juice, too, and I was really impressed with him. Um, and Malik Davis, you know, probably didn't have the best game, but a lot of that comes down to five backup offensive linemen against starters for Jacksonville, by the way. That's another thing is it was five backups against five starters, and that's never a good deal for your backup guys. So, um, I mean, I, I think this is, this is just a, a, a better situation overall for the running back group. And I think the competition level is just going to go up now because now they know, you know, it's, it's these six guys all competing against, well, 
not six. I mean, we know Pollard's making the roster, and he's the top guy for sure. But, I mean, it's just these guys. They don't have to worry about maybe they'll bring in Zeke. They don't even have to worry about maybe they'll bring in Dalvin Cook, even though there wasn't any real chatter about that with the Cowboys. But those, those high-profile names are not out there anymore. It's just the guys in the room. So I'm hoping that that just leads to each of them feeling a little bit more confident, a little bit more free when they're competing against each other, and it'll be fun. Well, I think one last one last thing really yeah, quick on, yeah. on Deuce Vaughn. You know, I think I think it's going to be a cruel summer for these defenders uh, in the preseason for uh, against Deuce Vaughn. We had to, I had to bring the T, the T Swift stuff in there. So there we go. Well, that's Chris, that, it's your turn. And, and we know that Brandon is exiting out of the tab of uh, Taylor Swift songs um, right now. So he had to look it <laughs> up. Um, but I, I do want to trans and we'll like I said, we'll get to Zach Martin. We'll close out with that because I think, I think that overall is the most important thing. But I do want to talk about we mentioned the 53 roster projections that we were going to get into. I, I do want to talk about it with the running backs and then the offensive line, if we can. Um, you know, we were talking about Tony Pollard. I think we can all agree he's locked, loaded, on the roster, no doubt about it. Uh, the Cowboys did carry three running backs last year off after the initial cuts. So in my opinion, I mean, we were talking about Deuce Vaughn. I think, you know, it was more of whether he was going to be RB2 or RB3. I think that we would all agree he is going to be on the team. Mike McCarthy has talked about over and over again that this wasn't just a storyline pick. They have a plan for Deuce Vaughn. And to me, what he showed actually works in favor of Kevontae Turpin, believe it or not, because I know, yes, we talked about the fumble that Turpin you know, had, the fumble that Dowdle had. I think it's just something where you got to shake it off Ah, so you got to throw that out there just naturally. Um, and I think it's just one of those things where, yes, it's it's the first preseason game. It's the first action that these guys have after a long offseason. It's something that you just got to get out of the way. So I'm not worried about that at all. Maybe a little bit more with Dowdle in the running back position, considering Pollard and Zeke had no fumbles last year. So I think there's a bigger emphasis on it within the running back room. But I, I think Deuce is now the RB2. It's just a matter of who's going to be that RB3. I don't think they're carrying four running backs anymore. Like, in my opinion, we can debate about Hunter Lipke in his spot. He hasn't really shown me too much outside of OTAs and minicamp, uh, sort of this justification to be on the roster, maybe practice squad. But I do think that when I've seen a fullback being used, it's been Sean McEwen, you know, as as the tight end slash H-back fullback type. So it could be a case where it's between Lipke and, and McEwen. But if we want to talk about three running backs, maybe four with Lipke, I think that Ronald Jones, I mentioned it before, really has a chance to to prove himself now where if he can show that he's a little more professional, has still some burst to him, I think the Cowboys would love to have him be their guy if he's better in pass protection than Enrico Dowdle. It, it was tough to see Malik Davis struggle a little bit in the preseason, but again, like Howman said, it was uh, Jacksonville's best going up against him, so it's tough when you don't have your actual five guys blocking for you, but... Where do we want to start, Chris? Is there somebody that you just want to throw your hat in the ring for, like you really want to uh, do your little stump speech for? Like I said, outside of Deuce Vaughn and Tony Pollard, do you want to keep three? you want to keep four? Where are you at right now? I'd like to keep three, and I would really like to keep Ronald Jones, I think. I think that that's just the different kind of back that they would need behind Pollard and Vaughn. I think that he provides the veteran leadership that the Cowboys are going to be missing now with um, not having Zeke on the roster. And I just think that he can kind of fill what the Cowboys 
kind of needed Zeke for even last year. I think that he can really do that. I'm not going to come in with the Taylor Swift uh, puns that um, the rest of the show is doing. You know, I think Jess may hate on me for this. I think she's a tad bit overrated. Maybe it's a scorching hot take, but I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly not a fan. So I'm just going to stick to the analysis here. I'm just, I'm throwing my hat in the ring for uh, Jones. I want Jones to be the third running back. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with uh, all of that, actually. I do agree with all of that. You guys you guys have seen me on many shows. For the visual audience on the round tables, I wear a little bit more of a heavier rock style. That's kind of where I'm at. And, and uh, Lori, you know a little a thing or two about rock and roll, baby. So you know how that goes. But, but to my point with Ronald Jones, uh, Holly made a great point. So I, I, that's that's the guy that I've wanted. I've said it on previous episodes that that's the guy. I know he's got the PED situation where he's going to be out for a little uh, short stretch there, but he's had a heck of a career. I mean, I'm just looking at his stats right here. I mean, he's you know he's averaging 4.4 yards a carry. He's got 19 touchdowns, and uh, he, I mean he's never had a thousand yard season, but. In that 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season, he rushed for nearly a thousand yards and had seven touchdowns. Uh, he's the he's a guy for me where I don't want him as my lead back, but I do like him. You know, even if like Deuce is considered a two or three, I don't mind. I don't mind Ronald Jones being being a second or third option because he has the he has that veteran leadership. He's got Super Bowl rings that let's be honest, how many Cowboys players really have that these days? So he has that pedigree. Yes. Kansas City was kind of that, that whole situation where he didn't get a lot of carries and whatnot. But I, I think that was more of a blip. I do I do think there's a lot a lot to Ronald Jones. He's only what 26 years old, so he's still he's still got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, gas in the tank. He's one of those guys, and he's and he's different. And I think I think at the end of the day, if they're going to keep four, then at this point, I can't believe I'm saying this because I got a backpedal from last week. I'm gonna say Rico Dotto's the fourth the fourth running back at this point. Obviously, obviously we're through one preseason game. He had that one fumble, but to me, he just he seemed like he had the most juice besides Deuce. So he, you know, he did, you know, he did his part minus that fumble. So I mean, we still have two more games left to see what's going to happen. But if I would like to see them carry four. And I do want to see Hunter Lepke as a as a practice squad guy. I feel like you can stash him and get him ready to go. And then, you know, if he needs to be called because of injury or whatnot, he could play. But I do think if you're going to go with that fourth running back, I, I think Malik Davis is, you know, he's off. And I think Rico Dotto right now has slid into my top four. And then Ronald Jones, as long as as long as long he, he shows up enough in the preseason and shows the Cowboys a, a good enough reason to keep him, I do think there's, there's enough juice for him uh, to, to be a second or third running back, which, again, he's a different type of player than Tony Pound and Deuce, uh, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. So I think it would be a good compliment, a nice balance. So that's, that's where I'm at. Where are you at, Hamid? Um, I, I don't really know where specifically I'm at right now, just because I think the Cowboys have a lot of really good options with this running back group right now. Um, especially with Ronald Jones, I feel like because he has the suspension, if anything, that makes it more likely he does make the initial roster. And it's just kind of a deal where they say to either, you know, Rico or Malik say like, like, Hey, we're going to cut you. But like the moment that his suspension kicks in, we want to bring you back kind of deal. So then they get to keep Ronald Jones for two more weeks and kind of see where he's at in his development and see what he what he can give them when he does come back. So I, I feel like that's and, and, probably something you're going to be doing. Yeah. And I was going to say, if we want to keep that in mind, let's just say we'll put Ronald Jones on the reserve suspension list for two weeks, similar to what the Cowboys did with Dennis Houston. We talked about this last week where they carried him until Michael Gallup was healthy. So let's keep that in mind. Let's say, Ronald Jones, you're on the roster, but you're going to be on the reserve list for, for two weeks. 
so then it's between Rico, Malik, and, and Lipke. I'll let you now answer it with that in mind. Right. And, and so then it becomes a kind of a question of, well, what have they done in the, the last couple of years? Yeah. And they've been very consistent with keeping the three running backs. And they have, I mean, in the past they had Zeke and Pollard, and they knew they were going to use both of those guys. Kind of in a similar situation where they have, obviously, Pollard is going to be the top guy. Deuce is going to get a lot of work, it sounds like. Um, so that third guy has always been someone who's primarily depth and helps out on special teams. And that's why I think probably right now Rico Dowdo would be the guy there just because he showed more in the preseason as a running back. He's been in the program longer. He's more reliable. Mike McCarthy has talked about how he loves Rico. He's happy to have him back. And the only reason he hasn't been that third running back the last couple of years is because of injuries. It wasn't because they didn't like what they saw. It was just he wasn't physically available. And he was pretty good uh, on special teams as a return man, too. I mean, he had that one kick return that went for, what, 44 yards? Like, he showed that he has a lot of value, both as a running back, as a kick returner. He's helped on special teams in the past. And then with, with Hunter Lepke, I think, I think he has a shot. But to me, the real question that I'm going to be looking for in the next two preseason games is how they use him. Because we all know, you know, in college, he was a fullback. He also played running back and carried the ball a good amount. They also lined him up at tight end quite a bit in college. And I want to see if they actually do that because we didn't see that in this preseason game. I want to see if they get him some reps out there because if he does and they like what they see, then I think he could be that fourth running back. And then they end up going with, you know, maybe three tight ends because they know he can be your fullback. He can be an extra running back. He can help on special teams and he helps at tight end. So that position flex just in terms of, making these hard cuts, I think if they actually identify that he does have that position flex, he can be that guy. But it's really a question of can he actually reliably play tight end for them, and we just haven't seen it yet. So I think with him, and for me right now, if, if I had to make the cut today, I would probably say he wouldn't be on that final roster, but who knows? Two games left, he could really show up and, and prove people wrong. Uh- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I think that I agree with everything and what we're saying. I do think that Rico is probably the third guy right now. And of course, with Ronald Jones being on the reserve list, I think Lipke and Davis are certainly the guys on the outside looking in. But that can completely change, as Halman mentioned, in the next two weeks where, again, Rico has not been able to make it out of the preseason, unfortunately. And I mean, I hope he's able to stay healthy for his long-term career and everything like that. But it's just something that you can't guarantee because it just hasn't happened yet. He's been hurt every single year he's been with Dallas. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he can make it through. It's certainly somebody that Mike McCarthy has talked a lot about. And I think with Malik Davis, when you look at last year, I think if Rico was healthy, 
I think he probably would have made the roster over Malik Davis, and they might have tried to stash Malik on the the practice squad. But it's just it just so happened that way. And then he really did well during the regular season, and he threw his hat into the conversation of sticking around this year. So I think everything's on the table. I do agree that I think Hunter Lipke could be on the practice squad, develop, and if like you said, be one if if the Cowboys need to call him up during the season to help out with special teams or anything like that. We've seen that happen over the years. Of course, the Cowboys, when they had Nick Ralston uh, on the roster, you know, they did something similar with him. I always wish he got a chance, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, I think he's, he's actually a part-time comedian too. If I remember, he tried having some sort of comedian thing going on. Um, so maybe he's out there somewhere, but I do think Lipke would be a good option to see. Keep your eyes open for how will the Cowboys use in these next two games. And we'll go from there. Now, transitioning back to the Zach Martin conversation, one thing I did notice and kind of just thought about when I was looking at the contract is it, it's, it was a restructure. It wasn't a you know an extension. And I think that that's interesting because when we look at him restructuring his deal to get more money this year and next year, he's still going to be a free agent in 2025. And usually if you want to be paid a little bit longer um, you know, over the course of the rest of your career, you want to do an extension rather than a restructure. So does that mean that after 2024, this is it for Zach Martin? I think it's interesting how when you look at the deal, it's fully guaranteed for the next two years. He's getting his money, and then it seems like he's going to call it quits. And again, that can all change. He can come to the table again in 2025 and say, hey, I want to re-up for maybe another year, another two years. We've seen that with Jason Kelsey recently with with Philadelphia, where we think every year it's going to be it for him, but then he just keeps re-signing one-year deal after one-year deal. So does anybody else feel that way that, I mean, he's going to be 35 at that point. So it's not like he's, he's not old for offensive linemen, but it seems like that he's the type of guy that I've heard whispers of. He could be done in the next two years or he can be done in the next five. It really just depends on how he feels. Does anybody else think that that might be it for Zach Martin, given what we see with this all in push for the next two years, maybe something happens with the Cowboys making a Super Bowl run. And then that's it for this squad, this entity of the Cowboys offensive line. To be honest, I don't think so. I think he, I think he stays around for a while. I think I know he's got two years left on his deal. And I, I think that's obvious. That's obvious that he's going to play that part of his contract out, but yeah, he's, you know, he's going to be getting to, uh, closer to 40. And as we saw with Jason Peters, you know, he's still looking to play football and you know, he's on the other side of 40 at this point. So Zach Martin, and I think it, it all comes down to his health. And, yes, you made the point with the Super Bowl rings. He could do, you know, what the Kelsey and, and even on the other side of the ball with the Aaron Donald where, you know, after the Super Bowl, you, you kind of like, hmm, maybe I stay, maybe I go, maybe I retire and go off to the sunset and, and do all that. But for me, I think Zach, I think Zach just loves playing football. And, and I think if he stays healthy and he plays at a high enough level that he's, he, you know, and, and, and he feels he can play at a high enough level, I could see him not only – having a two-year, you know, his two years left on his contract now, but I could see him. I know a lot of teams do the one year and then they play it year by year. I could see him re-upping for two more years after that. That's just, that's my gut feeling where I, I wouldn't say, say anything more than two years, but I think he could sign again for another, you know, by the time his new, con- his, his contract's up, I could see him doing another two-year deal. And again, it all there's a lot of factors that we we can't take an account for because we don't have that crystal ball at this point. So we don't know. Obviously, if we get to the Super Bowl and then Zach Martin retires, I mean, yes, is that going to stink that Zach Martin retires, one of the greatest 
guards of all time? Of course. But the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since Chris. I think you weren't even born yet. No, I was. I, I was, was not. Yeah. So I was. I was young. I, I remembered vaguely. So I mean, I. I mean, I know. I know I'm the the elder statesman of the group. So I do remember the the glory days. But I would. You know, I hate to say it like this, but. I would trade that in a sense because the Cowboys, the Cowboys have been close and, you know, with the Dez caught it, but he didn't catch a situation where if, if the Cowboys get a Super Bowl and then Zach says, Hey, I, I finally got what I wanted. I want to retire. You know, then that's, you know, I'm, I'm actually good with that. But at the same time, I just think at the end of the day, if he still thinks he can play at a high level and the Cowboys still think he can play at a high level and they can still work out a deal later on, I could see him playing in his late 30s, getting close to 40 in a Cowboys uniform because if, if he's still good, why wouldn't you keep him around? He's a, he's a future Hall of Famer. So if he's playing well enough, you, you keep him as long as you possibly can. You know, like as my great uh, co-host B1 pointed out, you know, me being a young buck, Zach Martin is the best offensive lineman I've seen as a Cowboys fan probably my entire life. So I don't necessarily view it as a thing as, you know, like maybe he's just, you know, preparing to retire at the age of 35. I think it's smart for him because at that point he can kind of take everything year by year. And I think that that's kind of one of the smarter things to do when you're a veteran who's who's one of the best uh, you know, at his position in the NFL, assuming he'll stay that way. I don't see any reason why he would decline and not be that way. Cause then you can take every year and be like, okay, I'll sign a one year deal for, for a, for a high value. And then, you know, I'll weigh my options next year. You know, I'll just play one year and make a lot of money and then, you know, I'll reset it and I'll do it again next year. And I think it makes sense for him too to not commit to anything too long term because if he commits to an extension, then, you know, what happens when a few more guards who are really good get paid and then the market gets reset again. And then we have the same discussion where he's holding out. So I think it's just best for him to kind of wait and for him to, um, you know, like kind of, see his options once that contract expires. I don't necessarily view it as a way of him for sure retiring. I just think by him not signing an extension and bogging himself down for a few more years after um, it runs out, I think it's just a smarter financial play for him. I'm actually willing to go down this rabbit hole of like that he's planning for his retirement. Oh, oh boy. I've been sitting on it and I'm just thinking, I'm like a lot of, a lot of things when you really think about it, start really falling into place because you know, if we're if we're thinking about it, I mean, you know, Martin, one, he's he's been around for a while and he's been playing at such a high level and staying consistent with it. And you know, with guys of his caliber, that's always been a concern for them. Of like, if you're consistently great and and everybody just consi- just always expects consistent greatness from you, the last thing you want to do is play too long and and get to a point where you're putting up bad football and people start talking about, oh, he's washed now, like. You would rather go out, you know, a year too early and, and have always been at that peak of your performance rather than, you know, have some bad years. And people say, oh, yeah, he fell off towards the end. And I, I would imagine that Martin is kind of wired that way. But also with, with this whole holdout thing, it, it kind of caught everybody by surprise because he's never really been someone who got too, you know, held up on the money. And, and you know, he never really was – holding out for things in the past. He had never been someone who was like, oh yeah, I need to completely reset the market. I need to like, you know, just be absolutely bonkers money coming my way. And, you know, and then right before that holdout news came, you know, he was also starting to get a lot more active on social media. And we were like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like Zach Martin hasn't had like an organic tweet since, you know, I don't even remember how long ago. And suddenly he's like all over social media. Um, so it, all of these things kind of say like something, something changed. Something's a bit different for him. And I'm just thinking like, he's been with the Cowboys for a while. He's had a lot of good seasons. 
and they haven't had success in the playoffs. They haven't been able to get to where they want to get to. And I'm sure that's frustrating for him. So I'm sure he's thinking like, hey, by this date, if we haven't been able to put the pieces together, get to it, like I've had a great career, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep just killing my body because it's especially rough on offensive linemen. Like they can last for a while, but then at the same time, I mean, just, just the, the constant collisions, it takes such a toll. And not even just the physical toll, but also if you think about his offensive line coaches have changed so much in the time that he's been here. You know, he's only had two head coaches. They really, this is the first time they've, you know, dramatically changed the offensive scheme. Um, but he's had a different coach like pretty frequently. So there's just, you know, a, a lot of different things kind of probably weighing on his mind. And I could definitely see him saying like, you know, I'll give it a couple more years, see if we can get there. But if we don't get there with this latest all-in attempt, like, it's not going to happen. You know, if he's, if he's 35 and they're, and they're still saying, hey, let's try to run it back one more time, like, at a certain point, enough is enough. Uh, and that's exactly why I do think there was a lot of tension between Zach really digging in because I think, Alman, yeah, it seems like you're kind of on the same boat with me where you just think about it a little bit more with what does it mean where there's no extension here. I think he wanted that fully guaranteed money to really set up his family for the future. He got it, and I think that's where he's saying, you know what, this is my timeline. I've heard more talk about him retiring in the past year or so, you know, from other beat reporters around the Cowboys, and that's sort of where my mind went initially, where if there wasn't an extension, you could have made him the highest paid offensive guard in the NFL for the next five years or whatever, you know, at least right now, and then stretch that out. But I do think it could be a mix of what Chris is saying, where – if he wants to get another extension after this, it sets him up where maybe the market will reset in a few years. It might be $8 million more, and then he can get $8 million more after that. Um, or it could be a case where he's getting his money now, and then he's just going to say, I'm going to give you one year, two years. Don't worry about me for the next few years. I'll be here. But after that, I'm going to hang him up. So it'll be interesting. Um, I did want to bring up also, too, when we were talking about this being so unexpected, even – it got to a point where Todd Archer, he was doing a mailbag Q and a the other day on Twitter and somebody asked him like, it was the Mar Zach Martin situation concerning. And he did bring up, he said to me, it's getting to that point. He said, there has to be some solution that makes both sides happy. But I think a lot of people were starting to think, I thought that this would be a done deal and it didn't really get to that point. Um, and then Todd also reported today. He said that there have been some discussions between Cowboys and Zach Martin's reps in the last 10 days. Also believe that there was some direct, talks between Martin and Jerry Jones specifically both sides glad to get this done and now focus uh, is on the field we heard this uh, when it came to the Demarcus Lawrence negotiation how Demarcus and, and Jerry talked it out they got it done um, so we've seen this before I think that when Jerry Jones was talking about not paying Zach and all these things I never really believed it I think it's just again it's business you don't want to give up any leverage so that this way the other side can kind of take advantage of you when it comes to the contract. I think both sides are happy with what they did. And even Michael Gelkin tweeted out something saying that Zach Martin had a 9 a.m. upper body workout with Duke Mannyweather. And Mannyweather said that needless to say, it's been canceled uh, and that he is ready. He said with a laugh, he's ready. That's for sure. So the next question before we get into the offensive line depth, is anybody concerned about Zach Martin and where he's at right now? He hasn't really been here this offseason working out. Uh, of course, I've been posting videos from Instagram and everything about Zach working out with Manny Weather. He has been doing all the workouts necessary. It seems like everything is great. He's in great shape. But does anybody think he needs the reps in the preseason or just shut him down, get him work during practice, and then just move forward to week one? I'm so confident in Zach Martin that he could have showed up to the star on game week 
the day before he could have pulled up on Saturday with a signed contract. And then Sunday he could have just walked on the field and been the best offensive lineman on either team. So I don't necessarily think it's that big of a deal for him to play these preseason games. I will say, I do want to see the offensive lineman around him play with him just because we could be seeing kind of a different, uh, a, a, a different five than we're used to. So I think it could be big for even like a Tyler Smith, who's, who's assumingly going to play left guard this year. And, you know, under a new scheme with, with um, Mike McCarthy, there are some changes to this offensive line in terms of personnel and the scheme. So I think it's bigger for for the rest of the offensive line to know what it feels like in that scheme to be playing with Zach Martin back on the field than it is for Zach Martin to show that he's still got it because, I mean, he's the best in the business. And, and, and I had no concern about his ability to come back and play day one. No, I, I'm, I second that. And I also, it's it's a far cry from 2014 when he got drafted and everybody was booing about it because they all wanted a, a guy who's really famous on Netflix these days, Johnny Manziel. So it, it's it's great to see how great of a career Zach Martin has had. And, you know, it, you know, obviously you draft a guard, it's not the most, like, luxurious uh, pick at number 16 and everybody wants the, the local kid, you know, the guy from Texas, uh, you know, he was an Aggie at Texas A&M, and obviously that didn't work. And obviously, as we saw in the, I don't know if you know, you saw the the Netflix documentary, but obviously there was a lot of spiraling that, I, you know, things, I'm glad he seems like he's doing a better, you know, Manziel's in a better place, it seems like. But Zach Martin, it was clearly the better pick. He's going to be a, a future Hall of Famer. And a fun fact, there was another Dallas, current Dallas Cowboy who was also drafted in that year at pick number 20, a very young 20-year-old Brandon Cooks. So a lot of uh, 2014 connections there. So uh, to Holling's point, once again, uh, he could come in. He'd come in Sunday morning, get some breakfast, sign the contract, you know, get ready for the game and, you know, you know Sunday night and be ready to roll. I really thought you were building up to some sort of Syracuse player with that, the way, <laughs> the way that you were, like, leading up to it. But Brandon Cooks, was a, that was a good pull. So congratulations there. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think – I'm confident in Zach Martin, but he's going to have to, you know, win his job back from Josh Ball after the impressive performance we saw on Saturday. Stop. Um, Come on. <laughs> That's just cruel. I, I that is that is a cruel summer right there. <laughs> a little ace of base. Um, yeah, I, I hope I hope me and Josh Ball don't have bad blood. Um, <laughs> one one thing that I that I that I do think about with Zach Martin coming back, I'm excited to see him and Terrence Steele blocking back together. Yeah. And one thing that I saw a lot in that in that Saturday game was a lot of duo bluffs with their tackle and their guard. And we were talking earlier about the running backs not having a whole lot of space to actually run. You get Zach Martin, you get Terrence Steele executing that kind of block, and they ran a lot of it. And that's kind of some of the concepts that they're looking to run more of with, you know, Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Solari as the offensive line coach. And it's going to be fun watching Steele and Martin just – just doubling guys and just moving them out of the way. So I'm excited for when we get to see those two working back together. And um, yeah, not, not concerned about Martin, just really excited to see him back on the field. I have to say, just going back to what Brandon um, was saying about the whole Netflix documentary that, you know, being the 14 year old that I was at that time, again, you know, I am young, I'm sorry. I was so on the train for Johnny Manziel. Like I was one of those fans that was just so let down and I'm so happy to have been wrong because looking at that documentary, the Cowboys avoided something disastrous there he didn't watch any game film. He was doing all sorts of things that just, you don't want your franchise QB to do. And to think that we not only got out of that, but we got 
uh, future first ballot Hall of Famer and Zach Martin as well. Stephen Jones deserves all the props in the world for that because, you know, Jerry, you know, you know, uh, um, he was apparently very close to uh, making that call for Johnny Manziel. So so I just had to uh, throw that in there real quick that I was one of those guys who was big on uh, Johnny Manziel over Zach Martin. And I'm so thankful that I was incorrect. Here, I'm going to give you another one more nugget on 2014. The Cowboys uh, traded up uh, to the early second uh, second round with the, uh, the the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders, to draft uh, some little-known defensive end out of Boise State that we all know is Demarcus Tank Lawrence. So how how about them Cowboys? First and second pick, Zach Martin and Demarcus Lawrence. That's, uh, that is that is fantastic. Uh, and I agree with you guys. I think it was an awesome class, an awesome pick, and, and a testament to Zach Martin and all the success that he has had. I trust him. It's going to come in, you know, uh, Patrick Walker, as we're recording this uh, Monday night, uh, this was at 9 p.m. Eastern. He said Zach Martin is present and walking around in Oxnard smiling. The Cowboys, of course, resume padded practice on Tuesday. So Zach Martin is there. He's on base in Oxnard, so he will be there tomorrow. Uh, we'll see whether or not it's a full practice for him or if it's kind of working on the side, seeing how he is. Uh, I'm sure he'll probably be talking to the media or the media will want to talk to him about the deal. So we'll probably get updates tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but I do think that Zach Martin, he's the pro's pro. I think, like Chris mentioned, he could go to uh, MetLife Stadium on the game day and be like, hey, guys, I'm ready to roll. And they would be like, great, you know, happy you're here. Uh, and I do think getting the work in with the Cowboys ones in practice is just as good as playing in the preseason. Mike McCarthy talked about how he might not want to play any of the guys as the starters on offense in the preseason because he knows how good of the practice environment is. We know they're not doing any sort of mixed practices with any other teams. So I think the Cowboys are very confident in what they have on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And, you know, we saw last year they didn't really – Dak didn't get any really work uh, in the preseason with any of the starters. They lost week one and went on to win 12 games. I know Cooper Rush was there. So it's not the end-all be-all uh, for, for him not to get work in the preseason. The same with Zach Martin. So talking about closing out with the 53-man roster projection for the offensive line, uh, last year they kept nine players along the O-line. And this year we could maybe see nine or ten, and we might talk about this at a broader Depending on if any other news breaks, we might have to push it off another week, but I'm hoping next week we could talk about the 53 and take a look at everything and the numbers. So this might be nine this week, 10 next week. We'll see. Uh, but of course, the locks that I have right now are the five starters with Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. Now that Zach Martin is back. So that is five right there. So some of the other names, of course, Chuma Adoga, Earl Bostic, Matt Farniak, Awesome Richards, the draft pick from this year. Brock Hoffman and Alec Lindstrom, Josh Ball, TJ Bass, Matt Willetsko, and Alex Taylor with the last name I cannot pronounce. Unfortunately, we talked about it earlier. Don't want to butcher it on his behalf. So, uh, Halman, I'll start with you first. Any? Let's start with two names to get it to seven. Any two names on that list that you want immediately on the roster? I think the first two names that come up to mind is uh, Matt Willetsko and Matt Farniak. Just, I mean, these guys, I mean, they, they've talked up Willetsko. They've been given him a lot of work, um, and it seems like he's probably going to end up being their their top backup option at right tackle, and depending on Chuma uh, on Erga's injury, like maybe he has to switch over to left tackle spot as well. Uh, and then Matt Farniak, they've given him reps at both guard spots. They're giving him more work at center now, too. I think they like his versatility. He's been on the team the last couple of years and, and is familiar with the program and their standards and what they like. So I think those two guys are probably locks at this point. Brandon, do you agree with him? Yeah, I agree with those two. I, 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 there's like, I got a couple other guys I'm, that I'm thinking of, but 
Yeah, per usual, Hallman and I are usually pretty much in line with this stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I have to I have to second Hallman. Uh, that that puts it puts us at seven. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Hallman agrees with us on this too. I would agree that um, those two guys are probably the uh, next in line. So I think we're all in agreement on the top seven. So that leaves, of course, Chuma Delga, who went down with a hyperextended knee. We'll see how long he'll be out for that, if it will require any sort of IR stint or potential, you know, they find another veteran. Uh, I think the next name to throw on here, I do think they really like Awesome Richards. He is their draft pick from this year. We know the Cowboys covet their draft picks. I did see a lot of positive things from him in the preseason. You know, there was the sack on Will Greer that a lot of people were dogging him for, but John Owning on PFF was talking about how it was more on Will Greer rather than Awesome Richards. So I think I saw a lot of positive things from him, and I do think that we talk about this transition all the time from year one to year two, especially with your body and transitioning for a lot of these guys with a full offseason. I think he needs to get a lot of work in the weight room over the summer, similarly to what we saw with the growth from Matt Willetsko um, and everybody else that has kind of taken this transition from year one to year two along the offensive line, Tyler Smith also included. So I think that he'll be on the roster. Maybe he won't be active every week, but I think it's something that the Cowboys want to keep him around, develop him, and potentially become the replacement if all goes well for Terrence Steele if they can't get a long-term deal done. Do we agree that Austin Richards will probably be number eight? Yeah, I think he's probably he's probably a lock. He's one of those guys that, like like you said, is a developmental guy, but he's not someone you're sneaking on the practice squad. I mean, Richards has he has work to do, but his potential high, and in the long run, I think Richards is going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think I see Rinsers. I agree with that. I think he's he's the other he's the other option. We're all in, we're in, we're all in step here. I mean, let's see what Holland says. I 100% agree as well. I mean, he has so much potential in his 666 pass blocking snaps. Uh, um, throughout his time in uh, in uh, Chapel Hill, he only allowed 21 pressures. And even, you know, this past week, he had 39 pass blocking snaps against the Jaguars. And he was um, and he was only credited with two pressures allowed. So, I mean, he's showing the potential as a pass blocker. And I think that you got to stick him on the roster because I think if you put him on the practice squad, he'll get picked up by another team. Yeah. And I think with let's just say, OK, we can decide between nine or ten. I'm thinking. 10 might be pushing it. Of course, it depends on what we do with backup quarterback, if it's three, two, and then wide receiver. Um, if we want to go long and go 10, we could do that and kind of keep one guy sort of on the bubble, and we'll figure out where that is next week. But I think the battle is between, for the guard position, uh, you know, Brock Hoffman and Josh Ball. Of course, Brock Hoffman got a lot of center snaps, but they've used him at right guard when they're trying to figure out what to do with regards to, to Zach Martin's replacement. Um, but I do think that Matt uh, Farniak, they talked about getting more work with him at guard exclusively rather than setter. So I do think you need a backup center. I think Brock Hoffman is someone they like a lot. He got a lot of snaps. That's somebody that I think would kind of fit that mold. And depending on what happens with Chuma Adoga, we'll see if he's back for the regular season. If not, it might be an IR to return type situation. Then maybe they do carry somebody like a TJ Bass. But I might be in, in the field of thinking that maybe they bring somebody in from the outside. You know, I, I'm looking at the guys that we have left here outside of Chuma Adoga. Like I said, he might be on IR uh, in the coming weeks. We'll see with how they nego- like navigate the roster. Um but outside of Brock, I'm not really seeing anybody that gives me a vote of confidence. We know TJ Bass. We talked about him earlier. Um, you know, looked pretty good in the game. Josh Ball, they have a lot of confidence in. He has played tackle, but he's been exclusively at guard, so there really isn't a flex option with him anymore. 
And if Brock Hoffman can come in and be a better guard, I think that kind of takes away Josh Ball's spot. And maybe they do bring in somebody from the outside. Uh, B, B1, I'll go with you first, and then we'll go around. Uh, your thoughts on Hoffman, and if there's anybody else that you want to add as the 10th name, or you don't like Hoffman and you want to add somebody else. Yeah, I, I do like Brock Hoffman. I think the team obviously likes him as well. He was a he was a pretty talented player at, at Virginia Tech. He, he had a good career. He He's one of those guys, he, he's very, he's you know, his game is not, I don't think, it's, you know, it's flashy. He just does the dirty work, like, you know, like you expect in the interior offensive line. And I feel like his his game has improved so much that the Cowboys coaching staff really likes him. I mean, he, you know, he, he was a good player. He, again, he was a good player of Virginia Tech. He played center. You know, he has the, you know, he has the versatility, you know, play guard, which I think is good. You know, when it comes to offensive line, versatility is super important. So if you can, if you can have him rotate in as a center or guard, I think that's, I think that's very crucial uh, for, you know, for the Cowboys. And because that, in that point, he could be the ninth offensive lineman. And then you just don't go with 10. Now, if, if, I mean, obviously this is maybe for, we'll, we'll park it for another day, but if we're going to do 10, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pound the table for TJ Bass. I just, I think, I think t- to me, he, he checks all the boxes he, he to me he looked like more. I think he looked like the best offensive lineman on on uh, this past week, and I just thought everything that he did. He's technically sound. He's not, you know, he's he's not, you know, he's not a super athlete. I think we all know that, but you don't have to necessarily be a super athlete to be a good offensive lineman. And I think his skill set, you know, throughout the years, he played various positions. Like he's played, he's played all all over the offensive line. So. And his worst position, like his worst position, was at was in tackle because you want to have more athleticism on the outsides at you know left tackle or right tackle. So as as he moved inside, it protected him from maybe his lack of pure athleticism that you look for on the tackles. So it kind of you know to me he 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 came into it came to his own as a really good as a really good player you know on the offensive line and in the interior. So I think he could play center. He could play guard. I'm one of those guys. He was he was underrated on the Oregon Ducks, uh, great offensive line that they had. I, I thought I always thought he was going to be drafted, and obviously he wasn't. And when the Cowboys scooped him up undrafted, I was like, that's the kid to watch out for because he his his game is not flashy or he doesn't have these crazy athleticism or you know like the Seen Richards you know for example. But he just does. He's he's fundamentally sound. And teams like that, along with versatility, and he's experienced. He played a long time in college at a high level in the pack in the Pac-12. So for me, he's he's a he, he's one of those guys that I I'm okay with if he's the tenth offensive lineman, and we maybe we stash him on the practice squad. But if we're keeping ten offensive linemen, which is something we'll be debating at a later date, that's the guy that I want as my tenth offensive lineman. I have to agree with you with that, Brandon. Um, I'm actually going to go so confident as to say I want TJ um, Bass as the number nine um, offensive lineman. I'm that confident in him. You know, it's interesting. You know, some people don't put a lot of stock into this, and it's perfectly fine if you don't, but PFF did their top five pass blocking grades from their first preseason game against the Jaguars. And and these five names, I bet uh, a, a, a few of them will surprise you, but one was Hunter Lipke with a 79.7 grade. Two was uh, T.J. Bass with a 79 grade, and then and then just for giggles, going down the list, Rico Dowdle was third with 74.6. Asim Richards was uh, was uh, fourth with 73.2. 
And believe it or not, uh, Deuce Vaughn was the fifth highest rated pass blocker among Cowboys players with a 73.1. So look at him despite the 5-5 frame, you know, showing up in pass coverage. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm pretty big on Bass. I'd like to see him be that ninth guy coming in. I think he provides a little bit of uh, of a – position variety as well I think that he can kind of move inside he can move outside he showed that at Oregon and um, I just really like his potential I would like to uh I I would like to have him somewhere on the roster for sure yeah I mean I like Bass I also really like Earl Bostic Jr. who I think also really flashed a lot in the game but I think those two guys are I think they're probably going to be practice squad stashes and this is probably just a case of you know where we're watching the Cowboys games of course so we know these guys a little bit closer and it happens every year where, like, there's some guys where you, you, you're insistent upon, like, they're not clearing waivers, they're not making it to the practice spot, and then they make it to the practice spot, yeah. and there's, like, no concern. I, I have a feeling that this could be one of those cases. Um, and who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fact that I just said that means that now they're both going to be picked off by someone else. Um, we'll see. But um, I, I think, uh, honestly, I'm going to – have to grit my teeth and say I have to stand up for Josh Ball here because I think his I don't I'm not saying his spot is safe, but I think the staff really believes in him. I think they see the potential there. I mean, keep in mind when when he was coming out of the draft, like there were a lot of people that were saying this guy is just teeming with potential. He's raw, but he can become a starting caliber guy in the long run. And I think they see a lot of potential there, especially moving him inside. And, I mean, as we said on last week's show, I mean, Syracuse offered him the scholarship, and we know, you know, Syracuse is great at scouting talent, and they very rarely miss. So if, if they saw something in him, um, that, you know, they have to be right. I think Josh Ball, uh, you know, I think he's going to be able to do the work to, to keep his roster spot. And then I think Brock Hoffman is going to be that guy that is really going to make the Cowboys kind of debate hardly, like, should we stick at nine? Should we go to ten to keep Hoffman? Because it seems like they really like him. But at the same time, you know, if, if they're looking for more tackle depth and he's mostly an interior guy, it's like how badly do you need an extra interior guy versus you just want him because he's been fallen. So I, I think that's going to be a debate that they have and they're going to have to weigh it with their concerns at other positions. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how that evolves with this battle with this offensive line because there's a lot of spots up for grabs with that depth and and you know, the, the preseason game didn't exactly put any of it to rest. So we got work to do. And that's why I think it's a great point when we were talking about Zach Martin gets some preseason reps. So that's why I don't think he will be getting any, because I think they do want to figure out where their depth is at offensive line. That's the whole point of the preseason. It's not really about wins or losses. It's about evaluating your roster. They know who their starting five are. And I think they do want to see, maybe they'll give, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll give, Tyler Smith maybe a few reps at guard, but I don't even think they want to risk that anyway because Mike McCarthy has talked about how he's sort of in that line of you know that veteran rest period. Even though he's a second-year player, I think he's just very valuable to keep him because you, he's your backup tackle at left tackle if Tyron Smith gets hurt. So I think you want to keep him as healthy as possible. Let's say for right now, just for argument's sake, let's keep it at 11. This way, if we want to trim it down a little bit, we know the guys that we like. Let's do at the back end for the final three as Brock Hoffman, Josh Ball, and TJ Bass. Does that sound pretty good? Beautiful. Because I think at the end of the day, we're trying to get our own personal opinion, but we also want to get an idea of what the coaching staff is. I mean, if Josh Ball is terrible, but they're talking about, no, we like this guy, we want to keep him, 
there's nothing much we can do about it. We want to give the people what they want, even though we could be absolutely inaccurate with saying it. Um, you know, we just need to be as accurate as possible, even though we don't like it. But I do agree with what Howman said, where I think the coaching staff really wants to see what they have in ball. Uh, there's a reason why they keep trying. I mean, they're bringing back Rico Daddle, who's missed a lot of time in the preseason because they trust him as a player even though his injuries have kind of plagued him in his career. I think the Cowboys have shown that they want to build up their rapport with these guys, and maybe they'll have somebody to stash like a TG Bass that might not clear waivers. But like how I mentioned, a lot of these guys, we think that they're not going to, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, we have our who's who, and we have to actually let some guys go. So I think that's a good place to stop. What we'll do is we'll address it hopefully next week, uh, and maybe we'll do that for the final preseason game and kind of just clear some things up uh, if we want to fine-tune our 53-man roster before the season and when final cuts are made. But I do think that's a good place to stop right now. Uh, when it comes to the preseason game, we talked about this last week. Of course, Chris mentioned Jalen Brooks scoring two touchdowns. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but for week two, Chris, what's your sort of bold prediction happening with the Cowboys taking on the Seahawks? My bold prediction is that we see a – 40 plus yard touchdown run by Deuce Vaughn. He's going to break it loose. I think the Deuce is going to be loose. And, you know, I have to say what you were saying earlier, Brandon, about, you know, preseason wins and losses don't matter. Don't tell that to John Harbaugh. Talk about <laughs> one of the craziest records really across yeah. of all sports. I don't know if I've seen anything as mind boggling, you know, with their win over our division rival Eagles. Their preseason winning streak went to 24 straight wins, which is like eight years worth in a row and just to imagine how many different players that you're playing with throughout all those preseason games you know you know bringing new guys in in the draft practice squad all that like it's mind-boggling I don't know how that record's a thing I think it's truly one of the craziest things in sports it's one of the craziest things I think it's definitely the craziest thing to not matter you know what I mean like it doesn't matter at all but it's just mind-blowing but anyway my back to the Cowboys my prediction is that Deuce Vaughn breaks it loose for a huge touchdown run I'm gonna guess I'm actually gonna put an exact number on it because I'm bold and I want to look back at it and and say that I'm right I'm gonna go with a 57 yard touchdown run it's gonna be a toss to the left side and he's gonna break two people's ankles and it's gonna be electric as, as great as the the Ravens uh just completely pointless preseason win streak is, um, you know, the, the ultimately, you know, the wins don't really matter, but it, it's about the evaluation of the players. And that's where I'm going with, with my prediction. It's going to be very specific because my prediction is going to be that Braden Aubrey is going to struggle again. He's going to miss an extra point. He's going to miss oh. a field goal. And then not only that, that is going to lead to Robbie gold being signed during the day Monday and it's going to once again preempt our, our 53 man because we're going to have to talk all about the kicker all day. And it's going to be glorious. I can't wait for it. Well, I'm going to double down from what I said last week with John Stevens Jr. I did call that accurately where I thought that's a guy to watch out for. And he uh, caught five balls out of seven for 56 yards and a touchdown. I think he builds on that. And I think John Stevens Jr. gets a second touchdown. So he'll have a touchdown this coming preseason game against the Seahawks. So that's that's my prediction. And I the Deuce Vaughn thing, I ain't even concerned about that. He's gonna he's gonna break one for over 50. I'm not too concerned, but John Stevens Jr. is my guy. Uh, he's my he's kind of like my uh he, he's my sleeper tight end that I really like. And uh, you know, he showed off uh, this past weekend and and uh I do think John John Stevens Jr. I think he's going to catch. He's going to be right around there. I think he catches. I'll say four passes. I'll say for uh, for sixty two yards and a touchdown. 
you know, Hellman, I really don't like you manifesting that a, a Brandon is going to lose his job. So if, if he is gone next week, uh, you might be as well. Um, you know, I, I have to say, I think for, for Chris, with your prediction, I don't think it will come true only because I think the Cowboys are going to start resting Deuce Vaughn for the season. So maybe it happens week one as opposed to week two of the preseason. And then for you, yeah, Clements, that's even better. Yeah. And I do think for you, Clements, I think Stevens is making a, a huge case to be a fourth tight end, maybe even third, but I think more or less fourth uh, for the Cowboys. I mean, maybe they even carry five. I think that that would be crazy, but it's, you never know. Could happen. But I will say, let's go on the defensive side of the ball because I think the cornerback depth needs to be solidified. I think we already know who the starters are, but let's get an interception for Eric Scott Jr. and for Kelvin Joseph. Let's get Kelvin Joseph an interception. We'll we'll talk about him in his roster spot hopefully next week, but I think that'll go a long way into the Cowboys getting a little bit more faith in Kelvin Joseph and the defense and their young depth as a whole. So I think we'll see something, um, especially when you have Drew Locke on the team uh, and he's your quarterback. A uh, few interceptions are bound to happen just like it did last year. So um, we'll be talking. Uh, I know the Cowboys... They're, they're playing at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's the always the downside of when they take on Seattle in Seattle. Uh, it's going to be a late night for everybody. So that's kind of unfortunate. Thank God for NFL Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the main thing. Yes, thank you, NFL Plus. Uh, so for David Hellman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Holling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the latest episode of the Writer's Block. And always remember, go Cowboys. <laughs>